بسم الله الرحمن It is Tuesday, the 16th of November 2021. And in our broadcast series, Reflections on the Holy Quran, this is broadcast number 277. And we'll be looking at the words of chapter 2, verse 19 of the Holy Quran and this is our third broadcast in that respect. I start with an apology that uh, we could not broadcast uh, yesterday although we had announced we'll be doing so. So uh, we'll continue with the topic that had been announced for yesterday's broadcast. So let us turn to the Holy Quran and let me read the verse, this verse of the Holy Quran. And as I, uh, as I have done previously, I will recite the translation of the previous verse of the Holy Quran as well, so that this, the two combined, will then make sense. <laughs> If the abode of the hereafter with Allah is specifically for you to the exclusion of other people, then invoke death if you are truthful. And verse 95 then goes on to say, And they will never invoke it on account of what their hands have sent on before. As we saw previously, what their hands have sent on before means their deeds, how they've been behaving. And Allah knows the wrongdoers. Today we are going to uh, look at Wallahu uh, and Alimum. So <clears throat> let's turn to my notes on here for the first word we are going to look at. Uh, it's a combination, Wallah, it's a combination of Wa and Allah. And uh, we use it in Urdu as well, Wallah, uh, as an exclamation. 
uh, in the same way as in, in, in English you have oh God or my God in the same way. Um, now the dictionary gives the root of Allah as Hamza Lam Ha and then discusses how many times it occurs in the Holy Quran. Um, now the word Allah itself occurs in the Holy Quran 2,699 times. Um, I have a disagreement with the people who do this, which is that it makes it sound as if the word Allah is a combination of the word Al, which in English is the, and Illah. Illah means God. And this, this is a normal objection of Christians against Islam, that God of Islam is one of many gods. He is like the chief god so to speak. Um, and what they say is that, uh, you know, uh, Muslims basically believe in all the gods that were there, but this was the god, the chief god, the big chap. And this, this arises from this misunderstanding that Allah is made up of Al and Illa. Now, an easy way to resolve this is to look at the Holy Quran, uh, the, sorry, look at the uh, Arabic language. We've looked at the Holy Quran and seen the word Allah used in that uh, separately. And uh, we look at the rules for Arabic rules for combining words in Arabic language, particularly the definite article al, the English equivalent is the, and any other noun. Okay. <clears throat> now, there are particularly two languages, Arabic and Maltese that uh, divide their alphabet into sun letters and moon letters. And uh, the reason for that is that sun, of course, is a noun and the moon is a noun. And each one tells us the rules of pronunciation when you combine the definite article and this noun. So if you combine Al and Nile, Al and Nile, in English you just say the Nile, the river Nile. Okay. Now in Arabic, when you combine Al with Nile, you will not, you will not pronounce it as Al-Neel, you will pronounce it as An-Neel. This is why it's called 
or this is why the 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 uh, nouns which start with sun letters are all called haruf um, or sun letters and there are tables that you can just look these things up now if you have moon letters this rule doesn't apply if you apply al to a noun starting with a moon letter then both of them are pronounced fully so when kamar is a moon letter kaf so when you combine that with al you will say al kamar this is why they call sun letters and moon letters because haruf shamsi and haruf qamari that you know when the definite article arabic definite definite article all is combined with a noun they give the rules of pronunciation okay so hamza or people in urdu say alif hamza is a moon letter so if you're going to combine any letter beginning with hamza with al you will pronounce that in full like we like we did we pronounced al qabar al qamar we pronounced both separately and distinctly so illa starts with a hamza so you wouldn't pronounce if you combine al with that to make the chief god the big guy you wouldn't pronounce the combination as al illa you would pronounce you wouldn't pronounce the whole thing as allah but as al illa sorry i nearly said it the other way around but we don't we don't say al illa we say allah so that means the word allah is not a combination of al and illa because the rule that i've just mentioned to you its pronunciation is not in accordance with that and hazrat maulana muhammad ali hazrat maulana abdul haq vidyarthi used to say that uh, this is the personal name of god because you can define things two ways and we see this on on television all the time don't we that um, you know some prisoner escapes from the prison and if you know if, if you describe him um, i don't know he's six foot tall and 15 stone and has brown hair and a mustache and whatever whatever there can be many people who look like that and uh, we know that in the past people have been arrested 
because they resemble the description of some criminal and some people, some poor people even got hanged for that. So, <clears throat> but if you actually give the person's name, you know, John Radcliffe, well, that's simple and straightforward, isn't it? It is John Radcliffe who's escaped or who's committed this murder or whatever it is that he's supposed to have done. The 99 names of Allah, so-called names of Allah, are actually his attributes. You know, Rahman, Rahim and uh, what else? You know, Kahar, Jibar, Ghafoor. They're all his attributes. But I would suggest that his attributes are unlimited. I don't know why we restricted them to 99, I suppose. People had to put a limit on how many, you know, could be remembered by heart and that kind of thing. I'm guessing, I don't know. So, <clears throat> the word Allah is not a combination of Ali and Illa. I disagree with all the dictionaries in the world. And it is a word in its own right, Allah. So, let us now go to the next word, which is Alimu. And it's... Uh, the root, master as it's called, is Ain Lam Mim. And it occurs in the Holy Quran 854 times in 14 different forms. Um, so let's have a look at that. 382 times. It occurs as Alima and 163 times as Alim and 105 times as Ulim and 73 times as Alamin and uh, 49 times as Alam. And 41 times as Allama. And uh, I think, uh, I don't know if I mentioned Ilm 105 times, but anyway, then it's 18, Aqalim, and 11, Maqalum, and then the rest are once or twice, like Muallim is once, and uh, Twice is Ma'lumat uh, and once as a noun Alamat uh, and uh, four times as Alam and twice as Alam and twice as Yata'allam uh, So, let us see what we can 
learn about that. So, or even, <coughs> and we people know this in Urdu as well. Ayub, uh, and that is to have knowledge of something. That this is not just any knowledge, but definite knowledge of something. So that, that is knowledge on which others can rely. And that is why we say that uh, people who have this definite knowledge called called olives. I mean, unfortunately, for some reason, the word has become restricted to um, uh, people who has uh, who have knowledge of uh, religion, um, but uh, obviously, someone with detailed knowledge of uh, theoretical physics or botany or whatever is an alim, and the plural is ulama, and that is. People who have deep and certain knowledge of whatever it is, you know, could be mathematics, could be history, could be geography, could be religion, but it's not restricted to religion. And now the, 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 this knowledge, of course, there are two sources. We have our eyes and ears and brain and we gain knowledge through the use of these. Now using these, the more faculties that we use, the more, the better the knowledge we gain about some situation. For example, we are standing at a distance and we see some smoke and we say, Ooh. something is burning because smoke is associated with burning in fire. But then the same phenomena has other qualities. Fire has light. It produces heat, but we've just seen one of those. So our knowledge, although it may be good, is not certain and perfect. So we then start to move towards the fire. And now we can see the light. So now out of the three qualities, we can, we, we've observed two. You've seen the smoke and you've seen, you've seen the light. But both of these need only our eyes. As we move closer, we can hear the crackling. We can feel the heat 
and we combine the information from all these senses and our brain analyzes that and says, right, this is a fart. Stay away. You might burn yourself or whatever else. But the difficulty with this is that two perfectly rational people can look at the same thing and come up with diametrically opposing views. The example is the time of the promised Messiah At that time, scholars of Islam were divided into two groups. One group said Jesus is alive and up in heaven. And they quoted the Quran and the Hadith and so on to support their view. And they knew the Arabic language and they knew the Quran by heart and whatever else. They were alims. And you had an opposing group which said, no, this is wrong. I read the Quran. And according to me, the Holy Quran says that the Holy Prophet Jesus died just like any other human being died. He is not sitting up in heavens waiting to come back. Now let's look at the uh, alims of this, this other group. They are equally learned. They too know the Quran by heart. And they know the Hadith and Arabic language and so on. So who should you believe? And you see, those who say Jesus is dead, they have an added advantage. They say that while it's never happened before, science tells us that a person cannot stay alive for that many years. So science is, our, science is also on our side. But the question is, who do you believe? They're both using their eyes and their ears and their brain. So who are you going to follow? This is where the heart comes. Things that our eyes and ears cannot fathom or the knowledge about the things that cannot be attained by use of eyes and ears. That knowledge is granted by Allah and it goes straight to your heart as it says. How? By way of revelation. Certainly the Holy Prophet Muhammad has passed away. Now no new Prophet can come. But Hazrat Mirza Ulam's argument was that God told me that Jesus has died and he will not come again. And I then looked into the Holy Quran and it was there. Even Hadith. And it was there. 
But God drew my attention to that. I am not saying that Jesus is dead because science says he cannot live for such a long time without uh, uh, eating or whatever. What I am saying is that God has told me that Jesus is dead. And then when I looked at the Holy Quran, I found it written there. So there is a fundamental shift of what the knowledge is based on. But the point is that revelation falls on your heart. And then uh, you explain uh, <clears throat> that to other people using arguments from the, the Quran and Hadith uh, and so on. Now, um, as I said, this ilm is when it becomes certain and definite, then it's called ilm. And another word that comes from this is alaman, al-alaman. That is something by which you recognize something else. You know, um, it's like you go into a supermarket and you have shelves and uh, in each aisle, on the top of each aisle, you have a board hanging down telling you what's in, the, in that aisle. That is a sign. That is Al-Alamu. And uh, this is nothing new. I mean, a, a lot of these concepts are ancient. But what happens is that you modernize them. You use modern examples so that people can, can understand. Uh, in the days of old, what used to happen was that uh, uh, people in deserted areas, in deserts and so on, they'll get some rocks together, maybe even colour them and put them somewhere. Because maybe the path is splitting into two at that point. One goes to Mecca, one goes to Taif or Medina or wherever. So this is the sign. And this is, uh, uh, the same thing is done now in exactly the same way, more or less. You want to go to Heathrow and you're driving down the motorway and you keep on looking out for an alap, a sign, which says to Heathrow. As soon as you see that, you start following that until you get to Heathrow. And this is, there are many other reasons why it's used. Uh, for example, we know that uh, regiments and so on in the army have their own flags, have their own banners, have their own alum, have their own sign by which they are recognized. Because, you know, if you've got uh, sort of uh, you know, thousands of people fighting each other, 
you know, 5,000 on one side, let's have a small army, 5,000 on one side, 4,000 uh, opposing them. So you're confronted by someone, so unless, and you're in the 5,000 army now, unless, you know, each and every soldier in those 5,000, how are you going to know whether to fight that person or not? So people adapted many things. Each regiment has its own flag. In the days of old, at the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, they used to put a particular color cloth on the horse. So people would know that this horse belongs to whatever tribe, whichever side. So people didn't kill each other. Well, didn't kill their own people. Now you see, you can see how important it is when you look at the uh, uh, this thing about friendly fire. Many times, particularly these days, with drones and so on, someone sitting in Texas somewhere is watching on a TV screen. These people, they're all out in uh, in a desert or somewhere. They're all covered in dust. You can hardly tell what their skin colour is or what the colour their clothes are or whatever. And you become scared and you think, oh God, you know, I think this is the enemy. And we had this recently, didn't we? That uh, there was this car, perfectly innocent people in it. They had a bag which had a laptop and some guy sitting somewhere in United States, watching them over a satellite, decided that, you know, they were very dangerous enemies. Then a drone was sent and they were all killed. And there were 10 children underage. I think the oldest one was about 11. And when there was an inquiry, was anyone held accountable? Of course not. They just shrugged their shoulders and said, well, it happens. One could, of course, use the uh, the same argument for any calamity and say, well, you know, it happens. Why does it happen? But anyway, our time, I'm told, is up. But let me rephrase that. My time is not up but it's the time for the broadcast that is up. So uh, I need to finish here with the prayer that whoever you are and wherever you may be, may lucky the whole humanity safe and sound and free from harm. Assalamu alaikum, Hafiz and goodbye.